Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the When I Was On My Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brian Jensen, and I am so excited to bring you part two of the Rondo Feldberg story. Rondo was a standout athlete at BYU and gave up a spot on the U.S. Olympic team to serve his mission in Munich, Germany from 1974 to 1975. Rondo set a high goal for himself to accomplish during his service, and we left this story right after he had baptized the Spitzer family in Nuremberg. Let's get back into the story and learn if he was able to accomplish his goal and find out how the story ends. I couldn't believe it, but I was transferred to Stuttgart. And not only was I transferred to Stuttgart, I was transferred to go down there to work with the American military on these five military bases that surrounded the city of Stuttgart. I mean, I'm thinking to myself now, I'm one of the few guys who is both willing and able to love these Germans, who a lot of missionaries had trouble loving, but I had no problem to love them, to teach them, to baptize them. I love this. And I'm being yanked out and sent to teach. Now, there's a there's a name in German, a derisive name for Americans. They call them Amis, A-M-I, uh-huh. the Amis. And it was because of the strong American military presence at the time. And so I was being sent to teach the Amis, not thrilled. That is really interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that while you were telling the story, but I'm, I'm sure still a lot of bad feelings from missionaries from the war and you know maybe they had family members or things like that that had gone and been injured or knew people oh yeah and that must have been really hard for some for some missionaries to go and do that was was so that was something that you had to deal with with other missionaries when you were out there a lot of the missionaries had a hard time embracing and loving the germans and the germans are a very sort of outwardly formal they're wonderful wonderful people but they don't open up quickly or easily unless your name is Rondo Felberg and you just come knock the door down. Um, And, and, and so uh, they, they just have had a hard, most of the missionaries had a hard time figuring out how to, how to teach the, you know, the Germans and how to get inside their hearts. Got it. Okay, so we're in Stuttgart, and you're with the armies on on the army base. Well, I yeah, I'm not on the base as such, but but we are yeah, we're working with the American military there, and and we have to be very careful because the Catholic and Protestant chaplains on these bases were very aware of the Mormons and very determined to to keep us at arm's length. Uh, and even more if possible. And and so we were aware of that sort of tension. At the same time, there's no better environment 
to teach someone the gospel than when you've removed them from their normal peer group away from family and friends and got them in kind of a strange place. So these American GIs were uh, in a in a situation where if it could be used effectively was very, very uh, attractive for them hearing the gospel and being taught. And so we began to teach uh, in the barrack. You know, these are all single GIs. And I launched into it with the same gusto. I had everything else. And I was walking down the hall. We'd been there maybe a week with my junior companion who was already there and was kind of showing me around. And we were walking down the hall at Kelly Barracks and we hear this voice, elders in my office now. Well, I knew enough about the military and about the situation to know this was going to be the commanding officer. And sure enough, it was. Now, this was a guy we admired from a distance. He was African-American. He was the coolest dude ever. He drove the coolest Porsche ever. He was single and he just reeked class. And I had sort of made a mental note. I wanted to talk to him at some point because I was sure that he and I would hit it off, but that hadn't happened yet. So now all of a sudden we're sitting in his office and he said, what are you doing in my barracks? And we're very, of course, defensive and careful. I, I'm, and I'm very, I jumped in very quickly to explain that we only visited with uh, soldiers who had who were either members of the church or who had asked us to come. Oh, and man. we did not do any contacting or proselyting. It's just not something we did. And you've just got to believe us, Colonel, that we don't do that. And all of a sudden, I detected that he was really enjoying himself sitting on the <laughs> other side of the desk as he was watching me try to worm my way out. And he said, well, I need to tell you something. The best soldiers I've ever had were members of your LDS faith. And the second best soldiers I've ever had were talking to the missionaries <laughs> of your LDS faith. I want you in my barracks. And I've figured the only way I'm going to get you here is to have you here every day. So I've made arrangements here. I've already done the work. Here are your ID cards. And oh, by the way, here are your meal passes. I want you eating with my men every day. Have I made myself clear? <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that's incredible. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. I So there's a lot of military in North Carolina. Part of my mission was close to Fort Bragg. And I'm sad that I never was actually stationed was never actually served at Fort Bragg because the missionaries that were there just had incredible stories and those military oh, yeah. families are so great. But uh, I knew a lot of incredible military officers and this just kind of reminds me of of them and the type of people that they are. But that's that's amazing. Yeah. And and every memory you have about Fort Bragg and military officers, officers and enlisted personnel would be reinforced by the experiences that that I was having. Now, uh, the other thing that was interesting about that is that we also were going out and knocking doors. In their vernacular, they said on the economy, which means they don't live on base. 
okay. and you could get permission to live off base. And this was generally those GIs who were married. And so we were going off base and we had maps like all missionaries do. And we knew, you know, where American military were around the area of Stuttgart and we were knocking on doors. One of the first doors I knocked on was a fellow by the name of John Robert German, Jack German. They lived in an upstairs apartment in a little farmhouse in the little village of Denkendorf. And he was as well-read and well-studied a person as I had ever encountered. He knew the Bible better than anybody I'd ever been around. He was a very committed Catholic, and he understood very well the weaknesses and problems in the Catholic Church, but he also understood how important the sacrament was and baptism was, and so he observed that, and so we started teaching him. Come to find out, he'd been a jock at St. Bonaventure, and next thing you know, he and I are playing racquetball down at the at, you know, at the officers' club, he he was a a, a medevac helicopter pilot. Oh, cool! And we'd go down on P day to work out and get a little exercise and do a little mano y mano thing. Well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That was back in the days when garments were one piece. Okay, <laughs> just graduated from the ankle length ones to just below the knee. So we thought this was the coolest thing ever, but they were still one piece garments. So when you're dressing in a public setting, like a military base with a bunch of other officers around you in the same dressing room, you're very careful that you take the top of your garment down first and then take the rest of it off in one piece so that nobody really notices that there's that much difference. About the second time I was there, I was getting dressed and somehow, though I'd done it dozens of times and done it perfectly every time, somehow all of a sudden my pants dropped to my ankles and um, there I am. All of a sudden a voice from behind me says, Hey, man, where'd you get them Unionals? And it was Unionals. A, 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 it was an African American officer who had seen my garments. And I just immediately said, Well, don't you have them? Heck no, I've never seen those before. I said, Well, shoot, where I come from, a lot of guys have them. They're the coolest things ever. Really? Yeah, I said. How about if we come by tomorrow and tell you about them and tell you how you can get some? Oh, my gosh. And so we uh, were teaching the very next day. We were teaching about temples and covenants and garments. And, and within two weeks, I would say we had about a dozen or so GIs every Sunday coming to church. And this was wow. their one chance to dress up. And if there's anything black guys like to do, it's dress up yes, and so, they okay. could do it on base. So, I mean, out came the ostrich plumes, out came the pink hats with the tassels, out came, right. I mean, it, <laughs> and it was a show on Sundays in the Stuttgart uh, meeting house. Awesome. These guys had come sliding in. L like I said, we'd have at least a dozen of them every week. You know, we were 
teaching them all the gospel. That's amazing. Did they get baptized? Did, they, did these guys join the church? Oh, yeah, we baptized quite a bit. I mean, that was the reason we had to have baptisms every Saturday morning at sunrise. Because you're okay, amazing. You're having so much success here teaching around the base on, on Stuttgart that you scheduled baptisms every Saturday morning for people to come and get baptized. At sunrise. Well, now, sunrise. and so now imagine we're teaching Jack German. I'm mostly arguing with Jack German, but he thinks okay. he's been taught. And on a Saturday morning baptism, we're baptizing a bunch of GIs and I'd say about half black and, and half not. Uh, and we're and, and so we're having a baptismal service and Jack German shows up and he says, I want to be baptized. I'm ready. Wow. And I said, okay, but I don't think it should happen today. Let's wait until after the service and then let's you and me talk about it and then we'll pray about it. So after everybody had left, he and I knelt down in the font area and prayed about it. And I felt the strongest impression that he should not be baptized, but should go home and get his wife. She had not sat in on a single discussion very aware that she was listening from the other room and quiet as a mouse during the time that we were uh, teaching, but she never once come into our discussions. But the interesting thing is he got the same answer. He said, no, I know you're right. I need to go home and get Paula. And so he went home and spoke with her and we were there the next night we taught them every night that week and baptized them the next saturday wow okay <laughs> and we baptized a number of his friends as well uh some of them like i said live here in utah valley at this time and they're just wonderful people amazing after i was in stuttgart i sent to the mission office and spent the rest of my mission in the mission okay. office. okay well, I'm focused on the goal, Rondo. I'm focused on the 24. And the last time we checked in, it was four. And now it sounds like a bunch of baptisms when you're. Oh, yeah. I mean, we it, it was easy to lose count then because you're just baptizing every single Saturday morning at sunrise. And I can tell you, I'm. it's it's not appropriate to sort of march around and. I know, and I know. Eat your breast uh, about these kinds of sacred things. But I can tell you that the Lord kept his promise. He kept his promise. That is amazing. Rondo, what an incredible story that you've just you've just told us. You know, I I probably, if I'm being honest, I probably would have been one of the people at the beginning of your mission, sitting in the LTM, that would have come up with a goal that was something along the lines of, you know, I want to read this or do something within my control, or that I felt was more within my control. And I'm just amazed at you setting this goal, knowing it was from God and going out and achieving it. I think that's just incredible. Well, I, I I guess it's easy to say I didn't know any better. I mean, when heaven tells you something, you just do it. Just do it, yes. I knew that that wasn't my goal. Nobody would set a goal like that of themselves. Well, I I think, again, back to my mission a little bit, I also was pretty determined when, when I would get into, into these areas that I would serve in and would meet people and encourage them and things like that. And Rondo, I think haven't haven't really done this much on the podcast yet, but a lesson that just comes out in spades from the story that you've just told me is just to be bold and be brave while you're out there 
on your mission and believe that God sent you to that place for a reason, regardless of where it is, and go out there and do the work that God sent you to do in a courageous way. Amazing things and blessings will follow, I think, is is the big lesson that I'm taking away from this. I, I think everything you said is true. I'm, in a way, kind of surprised that we're as willing as we are to sell ourselves short for the most part. I mean, think about it. We were those ones that now we read about in scripture who shouted for joy when the plan was laid out and we saw how hard it was going to be in these last days. And it's all in the scriptures. Prophets going clear back to Isaiah and even before had seen our day in vision and talked about it in the vocabulary of their times. And yet we were the ones that got picked and got chosen to be here now. I mean, is that not the coolest thing ever? And should we not have that kind of confidence? I mean, the God of heaven is our leader. He's the one who is answering our prayers and putting those thoughts in our hearts and minds. Can you ask for more than that? No, you you absolutely cannot. And you mention, you know, those the scripture stories, both in the Book of Mormon and in the New Testament, the Old Testament, and they're full of miracles. And the missionaries that went before us, you know, whether it's Alma baptizing in the water of Mormon, whether it's those early church missionaries that went to Europe and converted so many and led people into ponds and lakes and rivers and all that type of thing, and and baptize hundreds at a time. The, these miracles are out there waiting for us. And I think it's up to us, just like you said, the God of heaven is our leader. And, and if we will step up and follow, I, I think these things will follow. Couldn't agree more. Rondo, I asked this to everybody on the podcast who comes on. It's just such an incredible story that you, you shared with us. But Rondo, thinking about the, I'm sure that you had some down, down parts of your mission, some ups and some downs like everybody does, and kind of thinking of all of those stories together. Was it worth it serving a mission? Oh, my goodness. It shaped my life, changed my life. My, my entire life is on a completely different trajectory than it would have been had I not served. And yet, I was one of those guys who it would be easy to say could have foregone a mission could have used the brethren as as an excuse because I had gone to Salt Lake and told the brethren I wanted to go on a mission. And they said, you go back to Provo and finish what you're doing there. I mean, that could have been excuse enough to say, well, okay, I'll finish this and then go get married and start my family and, and always use the brethren as justification for that. I just knew it was a expectation that I had agreed to before I ever came here. Now, I was blessed. I had met my wife years before, and I knew she was going to be my wife. In fact, I told her so. When I met her, I mean, she was not as impressed as I was at all, but I had told her I was going to marry her. It was eight years after that that we married. This girl had finished college and had to decide to wait for two full years and teach school while I was serving my mission. And so that mission became our mission. She wrote me faithfully every single week of my mission. And, and another line of, of stories that are just sort of crazy 
was that she decided one way to perk me up on my mission is she would send me little cassette tapes of her singing and playing the guitar. Well, some of those were love songs. And I had had a couple of companions early in my mission who had heard some of that. And so when they got to the mission office, they knew that uh, Elder Fedberg got these tapes every week. So somehow, nobody seems to know how it happened, but somehow before they got sent from the mission home or the mission office out to me, there happened to be copies of them uh, uh, all over my mission. My, my sweet wife, who at the time was my fiance, was singing missionaries to sleep all over my mission. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And and so it's just see what I'm saying. There was there was no chance in this at all. I had a support group that few missionaries get to have, and I know that. I mean, to have somebody that you're in love with, that you know you're going to marry, who you know loves you, who's writing you a letter a week. Yeah, the the bar had been raised pretty high on me. This this is just an incredible story, and I I couldn't agree with you more about how worth it it is to go on a mission. And I just say, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with, with me and with the audience. Um, you know, a lot of lessons learned here. And I think just want to reemphasize, go out there and, and be brave in the commitments that you make and in the way that you approach people and incredible things will happen. Um, and Rondo, we would love to have you back at any time. I think you have incredible stories to share. So thank you well, so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much, Brian. And and I would say that the missionaries preparing now have it a lot harder than you and I did, but they are better than us. And they're being prepared for this. And if they'll just trust heaven, heaven will help them understand why they were saved for now and how they're being prepared for the situation that they will be entering in the mission field. They're going to be as prepared as Brian ever was, as Rondo ever was, if they're willing to trust heaven. I couldn't say it any better myself. Rondo, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at when I was on my mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.